Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Welcome in to another edition in the radio. I am your host, Jimmy Morris, at jmorrismcm on Twitter. Miracles.com is the website, at TitansMCM. Very pleased tonight to be joined by Matt Holder of Silver and Black Pride, our SB Nation blog for the Las Vegas Raiders. Matt, how are you tonight? Doing well, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, All right. So the Raiders come to town this week. uh, The battle of two 0-2 teams. (laughs) Two teams that, you know, I think everybody had pretty high hopes for coming into the the season. um, And, you know, hasn't hasn't played out according to script so far. So give me a little bit, just kind of a synopsis of where this team is. And, and how you're feeling as they head to Nashville this week to take on the Titans. Well, it's funny. If you had asked me at halftime of the Cardinals game, I'd say pretty good. Um, obviously, I'm sure you guys watched or sure you guys saw the highlights. Uh, that didn't uh, end up going going so well for the Raiders. I mean, the week one loss to the Chargers, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. Obviously, would like to win that game, but they're supposed to be a really good team too. And they're, you know, arguably next to the Raiders had one of the best off seasons in in the NFL this year, going to be a Super Bowl contender. So it, it was what it was. It was always kind of the feeling of it would have been nice to win that game, but should be able to win week two against a, a depleted Cardinals team that personally I don't think is going to be all that good this year. Um, and again, you know, first half, it looked sharp. They looked like they were clicking. It looked like they were starting to figure things out. Defense was barely giving the Cardinals anything to, to go with. Offense looked unstoppable. And then I don't know what it was, bad Gatorade or what in that in the, in the locker room, but just kind of looked like a completely different team. Looked like they couldn't move the ball anymore. Defense couldn't get off the field. I think the play disparity in the second half was like the Cardinals had like 60 and the, the Raiders had like 20, something like that. Um, and now they signed themselves in an, an 0-2 hole, which is almost mathematically impossible. And and going back in NFL history to, to come out of that and still make the playoffs, which is pretty disappointing with how the offseason went. So it, it's it's kind of kind of bleak right now, to be honest with you, you know, it's definitely week two or only two games have been played. So um, obviously you still have some sort of, a, um, you know, positivity or anything like that going forward, but not exactly what they, what they'd hoped for. We'd hope to at least be one on one going into the, this Titans game, but be uh, two teams who, who need a win the rare week three playoff game. Yeah. There you go. Must win week three. Um, you know, and we, we did your podcast a minute ago, um, and we talked about, I, I guess, the difference between the Titans being 0-2 in the division that they play in and the Raiders being 0-2 in the division that they play in. So, um, you know, I think it's obviously a really important game for both teams. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, 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 they, if the Raiders do start 0-3, the Titans do win this game, uh, is it like panic mode time? For, for people in Las Vegas, do you think, or is there still enough that can be salvaged? I don't know. What, what does your schedule look like going from here and, and kind of all that stuff? Oh, I'd argue it's already panic mode <laughs> a little bit, just because like I was talking about, you know, 
this the the Cardinals game, the game last week is the week they the game they needed to win because um, you know, this week they play the Titans, who obviously a good team, and uh just kind of like the Raiders had some bad luck a little bit to start the year. And then they go on play the Chiefs on Monday night football in Arrowhead on in week five, I think. And then the schedule softens up a little bit after there. They have a bye week, then they play the Texans. Um, and it gets a little bit easier, but yeah, this is kind of a kind of a must win for the Raiders right now. If they start 0-3, you know, it, it's it's definitely time to start thinking about the draft a little bit, just like you said, just because of the division, you know, I feel like if part of me, I, and again, I know it's only week three and we got a lot of football, a lot of season left to play, but part of me feels like an 0-2, losing one game to a division opponent. It kind of feels like the AFC West is almost out of question for the Raiders a little bit right now. And I mean, if they drop to 0-3, we're talking about how great the AFC West is. Well, the AFC as a whole is really good. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that. Um, so yeah, if they go 0-3, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a long, long season, which is going to be pretty disappointing after adding a couple of, couple of superstars in the offseason to Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Yeah, so, and obviously, new coach, Josh McDaniels, um, you know, a guy that everybody's familiar with, right? Because, I mean, he's been with the Patriots for a long time, had the head coaching stint with the Broncos um, and how that all ended. What have you seen from him so far? Are you encouraged that they hired the right guy? Um, I mean, how, how are those things trending so far? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely encouraged with what I was hearing during training camp, OTAs and all that stuff. And during the preseason, the Raiders ended up going 4-0 in the preseason, which is kind of ironic now looking back on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything was was going smoothly. I think everything was um, had been changed a lot since his time in Denver. I think that was one of the biggest things. He talked about how he kind of like reminds himself of that every day and how now in the second go around, he really kind of focuses on the people management aspect of the job, which is something he admittedly ignored when uh, he was in Denver and that, you know, really came back to, to bite him in the ass and really kind of cost him his job. Cause we know he's a brilliant offensive line. That's been pretty obvious. He's put together some, some great offenses over in new England, won, won a bunch of super bowls and all that stuff. So that was never the question. And it was, you know, coming from what he was saying about kind of his introspective nature and what the players were saying about him being, you know, the accountable or holding them accountable, but still being, you know, the players coach and listening and making them feel like they're heard and, and taking care of that aspect of it. Um, so from that standpoint, I was really encouraged, especially heading into the season. Again, kind of circling it back to the the 0-2 start, you know, winning is kind of the the cure and the only thing that really matters in the NFL. And so last couple of weeks have been a little bit more soured on him. I'm still pretty confident uh, in McDaniels moving forward. Like I said, I feel like he's made a lot of the, a lot of the changes that he needed to make to right his wrongs from the past. And this was a job that he wanted, you know, he'd been, um, ever since that whole Colts debacle, he'd kind of, uh, been waiting and just wasn't really, or was looking for the right opportunity to leave new England and go be a head coach somewhere else. And then when this Raiders job got open, he, I believe was actually the one who reached out to Mark Davis and was kind of interested, or there was some sort of mutual interest there. And this was really the only job he interviewed for, which was encouraging because obviously that means someone else thinks pretty highly of, of the way the Raiders roster is constructed and all that good stuff. So it's definitely been encouraging, but getting a couple uh getting a couple crooked numbers in that left-handed column in the record book would be would be nice to make me feel even a little bit better um you know as as they move on in the McDaniels era. Yeah, that always helps for sure. Um all right, so you mentioned the the roster. Uh it it felt a little bit like this offseason they were kind of churning <laughs> the former regime's picks. Yep. Um you know made, made some trades and obviously you know traded a, a lot to get Devontae Adams. Um, how do you feel about the overall state of the roster? 
Um, is it a deal? Because like with the Titans, I mean, we're looking at a couple of bad drafts two years ago, two or three years ago that are really, it, it seems like kind of coming back to haunt them at this point. Um, how, how do you feel that the Raiders are set up as far as how their roster is constructed and what it's going to be like going forward? I mean, I think there are definitely concerns on the offensive line. That was one of the biggest storylines going into the and into the uh, into the offseason and still kind of is one of the storylines is they don't really have the the right side of their offensive line set in stone at this point. And then defensive backs are a little bit shaky. Um, but as far as like the trades go that you kind of brought up, that getting rid of the the old players from the old regime, I feel like they've kind of came in and made the moves that they needed to make. I mean, obviously you don't want to get rid of a guy like Alex, Alex Leatherwood a year after spending a first round pick on him. But I mean, any draft person will tell you from the get go pretty much that Alex Leatherwood never should have been a first round pick and for them to be able to cut bait and, and move on from him instead of trying to, you know, force feed it, and make it work. I kind of appreciated that and respected that about the new regime. Now we'll see how that works when it comes to their own players, because I definitely think it's easier to get rid of guys that you didn't draft and you didn't bring in. But again, you know, I, I like the mentality of, you know, we don't care where you're drafted. We don't care how much money you're making. We want to know how much you perform and how much you uh, produce on the field. So I do definitely like it from that standpoint. I think, I mean, receiving core, I think they've got one of the best trios in the NFL, if not the best with Hunter Renfro, Devontae and, um, and Darren Waller out there, especially when all three of those guys are healthy. Those are, you know, not going mean, to find many uh, three-headed monsters on, on the offensive side of the ball that like that in the NFL. And Josh Jacobs is a pretty good running back too. It's just a matter of if that offensive line can hold up. And then defensively to bring in a guy like Chandler Jones, who has over a hundred career sacks in his, uh, in his career, in his 10 year career. Um, and to pair with Max Crosby, I thought was a great addition as well. So I definitely like the way the roster is, is put together right now. I think for year one of the uh, McDaniels and Dave Ziegler era, I think they've done pretty well, obviously did give up quite a few picks for DeMonte, but you know, he's the kind of type of guy where, He's just worth it. He's just worth all the money you can give him. He's worth all the draft picks because I can tell you what, after watching him week one and watching him just get open routinely play after play, it definitely felt like, uh, felt like they made the right move. Yes. Yeah, so that, that was gonna be my, my next question because, you know, they, they did, they gave up a ton to, to bring yeah. in Devonte Adams, gave him a bunch of money. And, um, you know, obviously he's a guy that had earned that with what he had done in this league. Right. I mean, you know, just mm-hmm. a, a guy that, is you know just torching the league and um you know the titans were in a they, they had a decision to make on aj brown and aj brown reportedly wanted to be the highest paid receiver in the nfl and aj brown is a really really good player but had not earned being the highest paid player or the highest paid receiver in the in the nfl but the, the raiders went ahead and made that move i mean they they did that upgrade their offense so, I mean, so as far as what you've seen so far, you think that was the right move? You, you don't think that's something that's going to, you know, hurt them cap-wise and all that kind of stuff down the road? I mean, it's worth that investment. I mean, I'd say so. I mean, obviously, you know, talk to me. Two years from now, if they have a bunch sure. of dead money t- tied into a 34-year-old receiver who's not playing anymore, maybe I'm saying a different tune. But like you said, I mean, uh, DeMonte is one of the top receivers in the game. You know, I think with the biggest difference with him and a guy like A.J. Brown is – you know, like, like you said, like he's AJ Brown's just not quite on that level yet. AJ Brown is, is an excellent player. AJ Brown um, is doing great things with the Eagles, but you know, he's not on a, a guy like Devontae's level. Who's been doing it for three, four, five years now. So I definitely understand where, where you guys are coming from. I know I, and I kind of like I like the move from, from your perspective, from the Titans perspective as well, to 
to get rid of a guy like that, that you're just not going to be able to afford, be able to replace him right away with a guy like Traylon Burks. Um, obviously there's going to be a little bit of transition period there with Burks, but yeah, I mean, I think it was to me, Devontae Adams is a guy that you can only get every so often you can only get, or only really even comes available once in a blue moon. You know, I don't know how many p- best players at their position really come available um, in free agency. So to me, I think that was just a move that you just had to make, had to ha- had to make happen partially to keep your quarterback happy and Derek Carr and bring over a guy that wants to play for the Raiders. You know, the Raiders in the last 20 years have been pretty bad. You don't see a whole lot of people seeking out and wanting to play for the Raiders. And I think that was one of the big things too, is, you know, he was kind of one of our own growing up in the, in the Bay Area and Palo Alto over there growing up as a Raider fan. So I think that added a, a little extra element from from a fan perspective completely, uh, but that made it a little bit worth it, made it easier to stomach giving up so much. You're a guy that watches Derek Carr week in and week out, you know, has have I mean, I'm assuming for his entire career. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you think he ranks among NFL quarterbacks? Because I feel like evaluators are, are, are pretty split on him on you know giving him money and all that kind of stuff um I, I mean is he is he good enough can the Raiders win a Super Bowl with him it, it's I I laugh a little bit when you ask me this question just because every time I'm on any podcast this, this question comes up just because it's such right, a sure. highly debated and a, a topic but to me I think Derek Carr fits in that 10 to 12 range you know if, if you're going to call him a top 10 quarterback excuse me. Um, you know, I'd agree with that. If you call him a top 12, I'm not someone who's going to split hairs over two positions and two spots in a rankings. So sure. That's where he's at too. I feel like he's in that category where he's good. He's just not the elite guy. He's not the elite Aaron Rodgers, Pat from Holmes, Josh Allen types of guy that can really go out and win you a game, no matter what the circumstance is around him. He does need a lot. He does need a guy like Devonte Adams, which again, part of the reason why you go out and get him. He does need a good offensive line, which the Rangers are still looking for. So I think they can win a Super Bowl with Derek Carr. I don't know if they'll ever win one because of him, if that kind of makes sense. When what I mean by that is going back to what I was just talking about, where I think you're going to need a lot more pieces than you would with a guy like like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or those guys that I just named. Um, then, or I think you'll need more with with Derek Carr there. But I do think he's capable of taking and making good team great, and I do think he can help you make that extra step. Uh, but obviously this year he's got to prove it because right now he's only played about one good half of football. So, yeah, no, trust me, I get exactly what you're saying right there because I think a lot of us feel the same way about Ryan Tannehill, right? I mean, he's, he's in that top half of the league, but you've got to be really good around him. And that's, and just to kind of put a bow on this conversation, that's been my biggest problem with what the Titans have done is, they haven't gone out and made that move, like bringing in a, a Devontae Adams to to kind of put that over the top. When I mean, again, there's only you mentioned three, four, five, whatever it is, quarterbacks in the league that don't have to have that guy, a Devontae Adams type guy, to be successful. And so, like you said, I, I love the move when they made it. Just and probably that's part of just being a Titans fan. And you know, we've had we developed one receiver in in the 20 years that they, that they've been a franchise here. And they, you know, end up trading him. Don't give him, a, don't give him a second contract. And the reasons there are, are, are justified, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the move. And, and like, it, it, you've got this guy. You're invested in him. Why not do everything you can to to build around him? Because these windows are only open for so long. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think I thought it was a good move. And, and I just, I think, why would you not? <laughs> why would you not give the guy everything he needs to be successful? And um, to- I was just going to say, and to one of the points that you you made, you know, we think about the top quarterbacks in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, those two guys that I named, 
Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey for years, had Tyree Kill up until this year. Uh, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs, another elite receiver. Darren Rodgers hasn't looked quite the same. Obviously, there's adjustment period, but he hasn't looked quite the same without Devontae. So I think even those elite guys need another, another elite or really good receiving core around you to support what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you mentioned Darren Waller uh, in that last answer. Uh, I, I guess, was it a holdout in camp, basically? I mean, I, I think it was not framed as that, but it kind of <laughs> was that. Is it, was, was that the case? It it seemed more like the the new age hold in kind of deal where right. the guy yeah, shows yeah. up to practice. Yeah, yeah. It. I'll say this. I think he might have been banged up, but it was an injury that he would have been playing on had he not been negotiating a contract. Like I described it the other day as he had a, a contract negotiation injury because the Raiders weren't even really saying what he had injured. I don't even know if they said upper or lower body. Like it was that secretive. Um, when he was missing camp. So yeah, I think it was is mainly more than anything trying to get that contract negotiation. And I don't think, I think things got pretty ugly because if uh, you guys have been paying attention, I don't know how close, not that I expect anybody to, he fired his agency, which was clutch sports, which LeBron owns and all that stuff. Um, he fired them a year, less than a year after hiring them. And then he hired Drew Rosenhaus and then in like a week they got a deal done. So and he hasn't been on the injury report. He was on the injury report leading all training camp or was injured all training camp. And then week one wasn't even listed on the injury report. So yeah, it would definitely seem more like a hold in contract negotiation type of deal. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I was looking at, it, it looked like this past week, he and Foster Moreau played a very similar snap percentage wise. Was that a game plan thing? Is that something you expect to see going forward or was that just just something that happened this week um I think it's definitely something that's going to be a big part of the Raiders offense this entire year I don't know if it'll be like an even snap count like it was uh against the Cardinals that might have been more of a game plan but I do think the Raiders are going to run a lot of uh two tight end sets this year you go back and think of what Josh McDaniels is uh one of Josh McDaniels most famous offenses which was with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez um and I think he's going to try and replicate that a little bit. I think even in new England, you saw them try and get those two tight ends. They invested heavily. They spent a ton of money in a couple of off seasons ago while he was there at the tight end position. So I think that's part of it. And Foster Moreau is, is a good tight end. He's definitely not a, not an elite one or anywhere near a guy like a Darren Waller's caliber. And I think he would be probably a lot a uh, number one on a lot of different teams, a number one tight end that is. So I, I do think he's going to play quite a bit throughout the year especially if they're having struggles on the offensive line to stay in there, kind of get some chip blocks and help out and a little bit in path protection and in the run game a little bit. Cause he was always known as being a blocking tight end, especially going back to his LSU days and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I definitely think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets from the Raiders this season. Gotcha. Um, all right. So switching to the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned Chandler Jones. Uh, don't know how closely you followed him last year, but <laughs> we talked about Taylor Lewan being injured. Um, he made Taylor Lewan look absolutely ridiculous in the first yeah. game last year. Titans played the Cardinals. Jones had five sacks in those games, and I think four of them directly came <laughs> on Taylor Lewan. Um, so I mean, ha- has he been what they were expecting to get from him? And like you said, you, you pair him with Crosby. I mean, that's a that's a pretty legitimate one-two combo in that pass rush. Let me put it this way, and I don't mean any disrespect. I'm glad the Raiders were playing the Titans in the beginning of the season because Chandler Jones hasn't done anything 
this entire year. So I'm hoping this game is, is what can get, get him on, on, back on track. I know you guys aren't, but yeah, Chandler Jones, it's kind of been, um, you know, the joke running around on Raiders Twitter that he's just basically been a ghost. Like he doesn't have a sack yet, only has, you know, a few pressures or anything like that from those advanced statistics. Um, one tackle for loss, but yeah, he hasn't really been, been popping off the screen or making a whole lot of plays, which is kind of frustrating after handing him. I, I don't even remember what the, what the dollar figure was, but he's making close to like $20 million a year or something like that. And he just hasn't been producing. Like it's been very disappointed. He's been probably the biggest disappointment, uh, definitely the biggest disappointment defensively, and maybe the biggest disappointment on the team so far, because he's been kind of a ghost. So uh, I'm hoping to see him pop up a little bit more this week. And then uh, just kind of give me an overview of the rest of the defense. I know you've got our old friend, Jayon Brown over there. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, you know, it did a lot of good things here. Um, but how's he been so far? And, and just kind of give me a, a, a quick synopsis of what to expect from the Raiders defense. Yeah. So Jayon is starting at linebacker right now. He was, he kind of came into the camp and came into season as the third linebacker and is, hasn't really like stood out or anything like that, but also hasn't, um, you know, been bad or anything like that to kind of lose that spot first two weeks he's been solid you know nothing terribly special you know as you guys know he's more of the coverage guys uh definitely of their three starting linebackers with Denzel Perryman and Divine Diablo he's the coverage guy he's going to be the guy that's going to be dropping uh more frequently than not to kind of take advantage of his skill set and Denzel Perryman got injured I want to say about halftime of the opener something around there he hasn't didn't play last week so Jalen Brown got even more snaps when the when the Raiders went in the nickel and all that stuff so he's definitely their linebacker too right now not sure what happens or what what uh, Perryman's status is and if he'll be playing if Perryman does play he'll go down to that number three role but yeah he's been solid for him so far again nothing too bad nothing too uh spectacular or anything like that and like I mentioned, the other two linebackers, a little bit more of the run stuffer. Denzel Perryman last year was a tackle machine. I think he finished in sixth uh, in the NFL, made his first Pro Bowl. Divine Diablo is a is an interesting guy. He's was a college safety and making that transition kind of came on a little bit later last year in the in the season. And it's been I know you know another guy that's just been solid, nothing spectacular so far this season, um, and kind of ironically is a little bit better against the run than he is in coverage, which you wouldn't think for a converted safety. And in the secondary, they're really young. Uh, they're really young and really inexperienced. Um, kind of are kind of similar to what the Titans have going on. Maybe a little bit more experienced than the Titans. You know, where they have Rocky Sin, who is on the last deal of his rookie contract and was traded on trade over from the Colts. He had a really good game against the Cardinals. Had about two or three pass breakups. Um, only allowed one catch, but it was targeted five times. It was clear they were trying to go after him, and he just kind of stepped up and made the plays. Nate Hobbs is in his second year. He was a guy that was a, a nickel or a slot only guy last year, and they're expanding his role. So far, he's been awesome. He's been a great find for them in the fifth round last year. He's looking like a, a future stud and a future cornerback one. Um, and then at safety, it kind of depends a little bit on some injuries. Trevon Merrick is normally the starter. Last year, he was the Raiders Ironman, only missed, I think, like six snaps um, and played really well, played really well for, for a rookie, and then ended up getting hurt in the season opener. Missed that game and Deron Harmon filled in for him, who's kind of a proven vet that breaks the mold of everybody else. And Harmon played well against the Cardinals, um, had a couple clutch plays in overtime to give him a chance to win the game. Unfortunately, didn't uh, end that way, but made some play or played winning football at least. And then Jonathan Abram is kind of the last guy to know about Jonathan Abram. He's, you know, it, it's funny. I'll scream at Jonathan Abram 
in each way, right? Positively or negatively. He's a guy that you're going to notice one way or another. He's either going to be screwing up and missing a big tackle or having a huge coverage bust, or he's going to come down and lay the wood on somebody and, and you know, have a highlight play and some momentum altering play. So kind of a, a wild card there. And almost, I like to call him a linebacker in a, in a safety's body. He's going to play that more box role and, you know, really much better against the run and in underneath zones. But once they start putting him back there at the free safety spot and trying to play center field, it gets, it gets uh, pretty ugly. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate Matt, you taking the time tonight. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game. Like we said, two, two teams that have playoff aspirations that have started <laughs> 0-2, and, and I don't know if there is such a thing as a must-win game in week three, but <laughs> it feels like it, it kind of could be for both of these teams. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to watching the game. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95. Um, I do a bunch of draft stuff for Bleacher Report, too, so come uh, – Come, let's see, uh, March and April, I'll be the guy posting all the clips for you guys. So give me a follow. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. And again, you can find Matt's work at Silver and Black Pride as well. Um, so check him out there. Uh, for Matt Holder, this is Jimmy Morris. And thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you again later this week.